God, we welcome you in this place, and we acknowledge the work and emotion and love and just effort that's gone into bringing uh, Angel to this place and us to this place. So we officially welcome her to our community. We honor what you're doing, God. We ask for more of your Holy Spirit in this space, in this neighborhood, in Philadelphia, and we just bless Angel and everything you're bringing with her, God. We recognize a new season. We recognize that change is hard sometimes, that it brings lots of feelings, but we just welcome you into that space, God, and we pray that you'd meet us all here. So we thank you so much for Angel. Uh, We just bless her this morning. Amen. We're so glad you're here. Amen. Is that good? Good sound? All right. It's good to be here. Uh, In your presence, it's, as they said, it's been a while as we've gone through this. Um, My journey started with a conversation with Andrew Howell in March or April of this year where he just shared that you all were looking and continued through the summer and uh, got revealing you know who this church was who I am in connection to ministry and uh, it's been a good a wonderful process okay God bless you this morning um Everybody should just kind of shake. I'm looking at faces here, and I need some smiles and things. You know, I'm about a little bit nervous as I'm coming up here uh, today, but I really am happy to be a part. I'm very conscious of time, and so, because I can be long-winded, but not today. It's okay. It's okay. Um, But I want to do a little bit of a recap, so if you don't mind, um, I'd like to acknowledge that a portion of my family is here, so uh, my husband Rob. Micah and her new husband, they got married on the 5th, so they're here. Um, So it's good to have them share today with us as well. I want to thank the Blaze for being um, up and busy today, doing things. Some of the kids were here at like 8 this morning, and that was phenomenal. So if you know teenagers, so that's really great, Um, and I was excited to see that. And I'm looking forward to some of the activities that are about to take place because it'll give me kind of an informal way just to get to know you, spend some time talking. And I'm I'm looking forward to getting to know everybody here at the church. So feel free to give a call. I might call you and see if you want to get some coffee or something. Just sit down and chat, take a walk. It'll be good. So don't wait for me. If something's burning on your heart, call me, okay? Amen? All right, I'm a little Southern girl, so in part, I'm kind of used to congregations that talk back. So it's okay. And you can talk back in the yay or you can talk back in the help of Lord when you don't understand something I'm saying. It, it, it all communicates, okay? It all communicates. So um, let's pray. Father God, thanks so much for greeting us this day as a community. Thank you so much for being God, and we don't have to worry about that. We can be your kids. Thank you for your love, your nurture, your support. We thank you that. In the fullness of who you are, you direct and show us how to love. And so we stand before you, your community, joined with communities all over the world, Father, in praise and worship to your name. For great and holy are you. And we thank you, Lord, that you see us individually and collectively. Bless our time together. Bless these words. As always, Lord, if you need to change something, go ahead and I'll get through. I love you, Lord. I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, in my first sermon, uh, I guess this is technically my first sermon as pastor, but I was here on the 8th of uh, September, and I uh, started what I hope to be a series entitled 
uh, the message. Um, I desired that um, to begin this so we could anchor ourselves in a, in a shared understanding of our identity as Mosaic. So this might be a little bit more for me than for you. Um, this might be a refresher and maybe a chance to see my heart and, and, and understand that I really I feel like there's some things I really get about this church and I'm glad to be a part. Um, so continuing the pursuit of that goal this week, I want to share how our God is community in relationship. But I thought first, because it's been like three weeks, maybe we need to do a quick review. Okay? So hang in there with me, okay? So recap. I tried to think about what you want to know about me when I first started last time, okay? I thought about questions you might have. They were like, is she biblically sound and theologically sound? Um, is she, can she preach? Is she boring? But I knew that the most important question was, is she crazy? <laughs> because probably like many of you, we've gone through, I've gone through some church experiences that have had really beautiful highs. And then I've gone through some church experiences that have had some really, you know, we kind of got stuck on stupid for a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, and so I'm real about those experiences. And I, I, I like to share uh, with you, because I know some of you, next slide, are saying, are praying every day, please let her be good, Lord, Jesus, Jesus. Some of y'all are just simple. Don't let this child be crazy. And I just want y'all to keep praying, because I don't want to be crazy either. So the answers to my question, those questions are simply, um, Am I biblically and theologically sound? Yes, I think so. My teacher said so. I attended seminary over at Eastern University. Um, and I, when I finished, they invited me to teach. So that was kind of cool. Um, can I preach? I think goes right along with, is she boring? You know? Am I going to be exciting for you? Some thinking, is she going to be a black preacher? I'm like, some. But I'm a teacher preacher. And so I enjoy that. And then, again, that answer to that little question, is she crazy? Now, this is my turn, because I've already admitted I'm a little crazy. Just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So now I want to see who will join me in admitting, got some crazy up in you, you know? So can you raise your hand and let me know? You got a little bit crazy up in you. All right, all right, because this has got to be a truth-telling community, right? And uh, we want to do that. So also uh, just review that, that until probably about Christmas, we're going to lead in with these uh, topics, the message, the means, the method, the movement. I got pretty excited when God said that because it all had M's in it. But I said, okay, Lord, I really don't know what that means, so I hope you're going to tell me. And uh, he has been revealing himself. So as we um, finally get into the meat of what we talked about, we talked about God as community. You may have heard it expressed as trinity. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. While others are in recognizing God and the attributes of God, they may use both God as Father and God as Mother. But to kind of encapsulate that, I often say God the Parent, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The diagram that's um, up before you, um, we see the concept of, of the Trinity, uh, God as community. Um, three real and active persons who are one God. The union of the three persons is so close, so true, so sweet, so tender. Their commitment to one another is complete, and they are God. God is this holy, holy, divine community. 
but one God. It's important for us to understand um, a couple of significant things about this. Uh, you see, when we talk about God, we're actually talking about encounters and experiences with God. Scripture is filled with them. We um, are told stories of how God led people to this thing or to that thing, or he provided for them. You and I um, have experienced when God has moved us to speak and to know some things that maybe we shouldn't have known in advance, but the spirit moved. These are encounters with a real and living and active God who is not so far off as maybe we were taught when we grew up, but a God who's very near and very active in the lives of his people. And then we would discuss that God created us to experience the divine, to experience the divine community. The second, um, and the second is that God created humanity to model that community. Um, the scripture I used in talking about that was just those simple scriptures from, uh, in the beginning. Uh, of, of Genesis 1:27, It says, let us make man or humanity in our image and our likeness and let them have authority over the fish, the birds, the cattle, and all the creepy creepies. And concludes with the 27th verse, which you see on the screen. So God created humanity in his own image. Humanity in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, as a teenager and a young adult, uh, the emphasis was always on the, 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 my individual representation of God. I don't know if you had that same experience. You were created in the image of God. And while that's still very true, there is a reflection that happens in community. You see, we were created in the image of God. And just as there is God the Father, God the Son, or God the Mother, God the Son, and God the Spirit, there is the group of humanity. Let us make man in his image after his likeness. And so there's something that happens collectively. We, we. It's as if God is saying, I exist as God, and I don't exist as a, a, alone or as one. I mean, as a, a, a single individual. So why would I create you to, to exist as a reflection of me alone or individually? But then again, didn't God say these words? It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for this one man to hold all of humanity. And then God proceeded with another miracle. And scripture actually says God removed a chamber that was in the one man. Now, you can sit and play with that forever and come up with all kinds of stuff, but that's kind of cool that everything was in the one man. And he separated that so that we would not be alone, but we would be experience life together. God created you and I to reflect his image in earth, the many becoming one in our unity, our love, our support, how we treasure each other so that we could share life together. It's never meant for us to do it alone. And uh, I don't care how um, much easier sometimes we think it is, we don't see the fullness of God. We don't experience the fullness of God when we're in isolation. 
That doesn't mean I'm an introvert. That doesn't mean they're not good times for us to be alone and you're enhanced. I get my energy from quiet reading and meditation and singing. I do, but I feel like I get filled up so I can come and enter into the community, that my thoughts get ordered. There's clarity about what I'm doing and how I want to react, and I'm ready for a broader community of people to share with, to talk with. I love being with people. Even though, if you were to look at my Myers-Briggs, I am all the way over. You can't get any more, according to that, te that test, you can't get any more introverted than me. Take this off. All right. So, God created, God is a divine community and created us to experience that. Um, there's this word that gets used, perichoresis. I shared that to describe the union of God in three persons. It describes the reunion or relationship between the three persons of God as an interpenetrating unity. When we consider the word interpenetration, uh, like you use that every day, I know you do, um, it's defined as the action of penetrating between and among. It is also defined as the diffusion of each through the other. I get a glimpse of, you get a glimpse, glimpse of who the Father is through the Son, and the Son through the Father, the Spirit, revealing all to us now as the Spirit is here with us. Um, it implies also action, movement, something spreading, flowing, circulating, and for me, living. It's quick, it's living, this living relationship. And lastly, I define it in my own terms as uh, with everything, as my own terms as in saying this, with everything I am and everything I have on the inside and on the outside, I choose you. And I know to choose you means to care for you, to protect you, to see you, not who I want you to be, not my imposed impressions and stereotypes of who you are. To see you is to see that you strive for your authentic self. To see you is to see you at your best. The diverse community that is, that is God lives, loves itself deeply and respectfully and joyfully and completely. No one of the persons is less when the other is exalted. And when one of the others is exalted, he or, he or the spirit of the son raises the others to their same level. They are distinct. And yet Jesus was able to say, if you see me, you see the Father in the way I love and the attributes that are coming out of me because it's shared amongst us all. God created us to reflect God's image and likeness in our choosing of each other each and every day. And so I ended that time on the 8th by saying, I choose you. And the most wonderful thing happened in return. You chose me too. So, yeah. It's so nice to be wanted. Um, I want you to understand how healing it is to know that I have a place in this family to rest. Um, and rest not meaning sit down and do nothing, but rest meaning I can rest in my gifts. I can rest in my calling. I can rest in the connection. I have family. You are my family.
And I am so grateful and so thankful for that. Amen. Yay, 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 yay. So I'm going to work hard for you. I'm going to pray hard for you because I can't do this thing without God. Um, and truthfully, neither can you, so I ask your prayers. Uh, I want to be honest with you. I'm going to disappoint you. That's hard when your pastor disappoints you. I know. I know. And I wish with everything in my being that, that there would not come a day when I would do that. I hurt when I let people down. But then sometimes I have a Messiah complex and I need to let people know, down so I know I'm not God. God is God. Um, but I take joy, family, because we will love each other. We will forgive each other. We will celebrate one another because we choose each other. We choose to do this. It's a conscious decision that you made, each and every one of you made, when you joined the church and others who come regularly or just come every once in a while because this is a place that fills your cup. You choose us. And it's so nice, so nice. So that's a perfect lead-in for what I want to cover today, okay? Um, we're, getting, we're getting somewhere, so I just need you to stay with me. I'm going to teach a little bit. I'm going to show you a little video clip that I heard you guys love, videos. <laughs> and then I'm going to take a couple of minutes to preach us into worship, if that's all right. All right? So um, many of us, have gone to our local grocery store. Have you not? If you want to eat, you have to make that pilgrimage to the store. 20 years uh, or so ago, when things were a little more segregated, the grocery chains got kind of wise. You know, Instead of having that local market in the midst of every community, they wanted to do, we were getting into malls and all this stuff, so they were trying to find ways for us to link up. So they started putting grocery stores between neighborhoods. But still the commercials would say, your local grocery store, your community grocery store. And so I noticed that because I'm that kind of kid. See, I grew up in Portsmouth, Virginia. It was 50% uh, black and 50% white. Every election was deep, let me tell you, it was deep. <laughs> um, so there were black neighborhoods and there were white neighborhoods. And the stores were placed in that and strategically but the grocery chain, you know, they just knew, they just knew how to make more money off of all of us, uh, which, you know, that's what they're supposed to do. And there were different people in the store, so I would always notice that, you know, because that FUBU, it was all black in my neighborhood. It was, uh, for me, it was a wonderful place to be because, you know, the world told me one thing about myself, but the community told me a completely different story. And we all lived together. So you would have the doctor with the person who did lawn care, who, you know, my dad was a, a longshoreman, and other, other working class people with, with the pharmacists and all the lawyers. We were all mixed in there together. So we had the example of that you could be anything you wanted to be, and you could be all in one community and not think yourselves better than anybody else. And I could go and knock and get advice, borrow sugar, my daughter's sick, can you help me? That, those kind of things happen in that community. My parents were one of the anchor families. And so every July, my parents' anniversary, everybody in the neighborhood knew July 4th, cookout, the right residence was the place to be. And so for us as kids, we didn't, you know, you don't get what it means, you know? But for uh, 
Because I would see these people literally leaving their houses from our front porch, leaving their houses, coming, bopping down the street, heading to our house. Now, for me, that meant I was a servant for the evening. <laughs> so, but as I grew older, I recognized, especially after my father just passed, the rich treasures, people talked about that. We always gathered at your place. Um, so that gave me an understanding of what it meant to be community, right? And so when I hear, because I play with words on TV and they talk about your local community grocery store, something didn't quite click with that for me. If you see the image up there, that's kind of blurry, but you just see people standing around. There's a whole crowd. You could say that that crowd represents community. I used to use this in my racial reconciliation workshops because I wanted to talk about diversity. You've got everybody there. You could say that's a diverse group of people. It's exciting. But those folks aren't really talking to each other. It's a proximity thing. Diversity by proximity. And quite often, people want to sell us that. Diversity by proximity. And that's exciting because everybody's in the room. But if everybody's in the room and they're not talking to each other, there's no community really going on. God is not community because the third, because the three persons of God have hung out, hang out in the same places or spaces. But God is community because of that perichoresis thing I was talking about, that interpenetrating unity because they choose to relate to each other. Jesus would get up early in the morning to pray, commune with God. That's Mark 1-3. At Lazarus' tomb, Jesus said, Father, you always hear me. In John 11, Jesus said, Jesus would often slip away to pray. Luke, that was Luke 5. And after Jesus was baptized, he prayed, and the heavens were opened, and the Spirit descended on him like a dove. And then we read in John 14 and 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to help you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. That was Jesus, but he's talking about the spirit, and he will be in you. He wouldn't leave us alone, but recognized that he wanted us to partake of that divine community. God is community because they truly have a relationship with one another, and he wants us to taste and see that relationship. Even in a crowd like the one over my shoulder, it's possible to be isolated. Even in the midst of community, people can suffer because they have no meaningful relationships. Let's just, we, we call it a grocery store community. There's everybody, but the only thing going on is the groceries. Unfortunately, in our churches across our country, our neighborhood, our city, and the world, people um, are feeling the same way. Sometimes it's about the music. Sometimes it's about the click. Sometimes it's about the presentation of being a Christian is why we come in the door. Sometimes it's about the fact that I have kids and I need to make sure that they are raised with a Christian understanding of God. And we are presented with pictures and images and things that we do. And we can do all those things and look good, but not really experience community, relationship with one another. God said in the beginning, it's not good for humanity consist, to consist of one being. To experience the goodness 
like the kind found in God. Humanity needed to have more than one being because it was impossible to reflect God's image. Are you hearing me? It's a solo. It's a solo individual. There's a portion of the image we carry. But there is something powerful that happens when the people of God come together in unity. That's the reason I wanted to be here. Because there was something powerful in the midst of this community. Um, so two words shape in, in the scripture, shape our God in relationship. The two words that shape it are justice and righteousness. And we see them throughout the, the scriptures. They, these words um, are used to convey the message that God is community, that the human community is to reflect God's image and our collective relationship and how we do our lives together. Our challenge is to maintain a kind of relational balance that goes beyond convenience and the simplest forms of social acceptability. Now, when I was a younger Christian, I would try to slip into church late so I could sit in the back. And then when everything good was over, I would try to slip out so nobody would see me. Then I could say to people, I went to church. I was in the place. And they would give me my pats for being a nice, good Christian girl, especially as a teenager. You went to church? Oh, that's lovely. Like, that's all there is. And because that was what was social accept socially acceptable, I did that minimum. But we're responsible to ensure that righteousness and justice are embraced and embodied in our community. And so value that they're transmitted as a cultural norm. These words are often used interchangeably. Um, let's begin with righteousness. I always loved pronouncing Greek and Hebrew words. <laughs> Sedeka, Sedeka in the Old Testament and Daika Osuni in the New Testament, this word righteousness. In the, the Old Testament, it's used as a legal term, and it involves the whole process of justice. Because God is, is righteous, humans should also be. It simply implies faithfulness in relationship. Righteousness requires that we value others, which is expressed in the way we interact. Are our interactions life-giving, we have to ask ourselves. Do they reflect, I choose you, found in the relationship of the three who are one God? Do our interactions demonstrate the depth of our care for one another? Do we seek to protect others in our interaction and in our community? Or is the other person seen at all? Are we committed to seeing the individual within and the community overall and striving toward increased authenticity because we reflect the love because we reflect the love of God that's shared in those three persons. Righteousness requires that we love one another deeply, deeply, respectfully, joyfully, completely. It means being in a right relationship. And then the other word, justice, as you see in your screen, is often depicted with a scale. 
because that's a good visual depiction of the meaning. To do justice, one has to recognize first the need for a balanced scale. But we live in a world system that says we don't need that. Now, I'm a real preacher. I mean, I, I talk about stuff. So, but it doesn't mean you have to agree with me as I talk about stuff, okay? So I'm gonna talk about our economic system for a second. And you can come to me, we can have some coffee and we can go at it, because I like that too. And we will come out friends, no worries. Um, we have an economic system that demands that they're poor people. Demands a middle class and has an elite. Not all elite people are bad. So I'm not, I'm not getting going that direction, I'm just saying we have a system that's formed on those tiers. But this is very different. This says we recognize the need to balance the scales, somehow bring balance. And does that mean God won't have rich people? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that, you know, I feel for rich people because you have a heavy weight and burden if you have money. You have a responsibility to the community and how it's shared, especially in today's society when so many people would use you. Often, people who have money want to hide and not tell anybody they got anything. And then the poor are villainized. But we have to, we have to, we have to uh, balance the scales. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. All right. The other side is it requires us to do the activities to ensure that the scales are balanced. We have to recognize that there's a need, and then we have to do the work to balance them, okay? Which is why I love the anti-racism stance you've taken, because there's that recognition and there's the work. And, and I, you know, I heard a lot of times, I'm so glad you're a black woman. I'm so glad you're black, you know? And, you know, you can get complex about that. <laughs> but I understand what you mean in terms of reflecting leadership, reflecting the community. It really is important. And the communities that I've been in, I've looked for that. The communities I've been in, maybe a first generation what person was a person, um, a white person. And then you look at what came after, and they were still all white, you know? But when the scale is balanced, room is made. Not just because somebody is a color or a thing, but the recognition that People with qualifications exist outside of what I'm used to seeing. I represent 4.3% of the black community who have an advanced degree. Only 4.3%. You guys really had to go and search. <laughs> but you were committed to go and search because people are out there. Amen? In the book, Social Justice in the Hebrew Bible, this guy named Bruce Melchor uh, Cho uh, used two Hebrew words in the explanation of justice. The um, implication of just, justice, mispat, is the rights that are due every individual in the community so that when a person is judged, sapat, I'm gonna try to avoid that as much as possible, speaking the English words, I mean the uh, Hebrew words. Um, when, so the implication is that everyone has rights. And when that person is judged, those rights are to be upheld. We say that our, our uh, judicial system is based on that. We say, 
that our judicial system is based on that. Every member being distinct yet still equal and all members that have equal rights that are, that are upheld by the community. What does that mean? It's not upheld by the system. Systems are wonderful things. I'm a systems person. But the depth of meaning, the value has to be in the people so the people uphold the system. So it's upheld by you and me, right? Um, so the community has to fight for one another to fully experience and participate in what God has given us individually and collectively for everyone's good. And this is important because it's who God is, God in community. God is community in relationship. And so God wants us to be humanity is community in relationship. So um, sometimes we feel like this is impossible. It is this hopeless fairy tale that we crazy people who believe in God talk about. Sometimes we see it as a crazy impossibility because sometimes it's us crazy Christian people who are the ones who are doing counter to what you're saying about community. My daughter and I were, were having a conversation yesterday and uh, oh, she's scared now because she doesn't know what I'm about to say. I'm sorry, it's gonna be okay, it's gonna be okay. Um, she was like, Mom, have you ever felt like at times like, you know, you must be crazy. This is, this is ridiculous that, that we believe this stuff. Have you had times like that? You know, it's like, and I, you understand why people who haven't had an experience with God and haven't been raised at the church, why they look at us. She said, they look at us like a death cult. Like, yeah, I get, it, it's true, right? Except we had an encounter with someone who was alive and is bigger than us. If it hadn't been for the encounter that I had, if I met church first, <laughs> right? But I met God and, and this wonderful man, and I will always say these things, and maybe I, uh, because it puts me in, in check and it puts the community in check and I don't care where I am. This man who the world ostracized because he was gay, talked about, ridiculed, we're in high school together, shamed publicly. I was on a high school field trip and I had been asking God for over a year, show me who you are and how I do this thing. Should I be Catholic? Should I be Methodist? Should I be this? Should I be that? I don't know. And this, this young man was sharing about God on a bus trip. And he was talking to a, a young woman. He was giving them traditional, like, six, the four spiritual laws and all that stuff. But it made sense. It was finally something that made sense to me that he was sharing. And he looked at her after he shared with her. And he shared out an abundance of his heart. It wasn't just going through a rope thing, but he would explain what it meant to him. And he looked at her and said, do you want to receive Jesus as Savior? And she said, no. And I turned around in my chair and I said, yes. Yes. Because he was willing to fight through all the ostracism to share the best thing that's ever touched his life, the best experience he's ever had. He was willing. And so I say, how he fought for me. I'd like to share a clip with you. 
we can play that clip. And then I'll come back and I'll close out with a little, I hope a little preaching. I love watching those and just different people's interpretation. This movie is, um, whether you like it or not, that clip. <laughs> I love when they're in the midst of the battle, Morpheus, and everything stops, Morpheus, the way Morpheus comes out and says, because of the signs that the machines have stopped, he fights for us. I love what happens in the course of our life together when we see the, the signs, when you have no money and don't know how the bills are paid and suddenly somebody gives you a gift and you never told them what's happened. He fights for us. I love what happens when somebody told someone like me, you're not college material. And all these people entered my life who told me I was smart and that I could. And I stand before you, a woman who not, doesn't have one advanced degree, but two. God fights for us. I love it when people have stories of, of, of defeat that should wipe them out. Bad things happen to us. But yet, they're still standing. And maybe you're one of the people who shouldn't be here, shouldn't be standing. Lost so much in depression and hopelessness, except something is fighting for you. Makes you get up in the morning and try again. I've had that kind of depression. And he fought for me. And if God in community that's relational is fighting for me, shouldn't we, as reflections of that image, do the same and fight for us too? Fight for one another in the moment. Fight for one another in the things that are happening. I've had many conversations in the course of the week, and I've heard a lot about what's happened over the course of the, this year for leaders, and it's been hard. I know you had to figure out how we're going to do worship, how we're going to do this, how we're going to do that. And sometimes things happen that want to break community. And yet God heard the prayer. And I'm, if this not me being arrogant, because I'm not, I'm here. He fought for you. 
He fought for this community. He fought for the relationships. Sometimes it's hard and you get disappointed. This is why I announced it from the beginning. I'm going to disappoint you. But I'll fight for you as you fight for me. The relationship requires that, to look at the realities of what exists and know because this does not reflect the image of God, this does not have to stand. Because he called us to reflect that, which is why my favorite scripture is in Ephesians 3.10, that through the church, the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God would be presented and confronted to, to every principality and power, every system that exalts itself over the knowledge of God, everything that tries to corrupt what God has ordained. I want to see Jesus. I don't just want to read about him in a book. I want the words to lift off a page, to come out of my life, to see it in your life. Because the witness of that, as we do it together, I want the world to see us have an argument and fuss and still go to lunch. I want to see the world to see how you can be completely disappointed in a person, but still hang in there, and that not, it's not magic. It's not a day that makes the relationship better, but the work you do over time. Because you're committed. Because when you said, I choose you, you meant I choose you. And what goes along with that. Now, that doesn't say you stay in a painful or an abusive relationship. I'm not saying that kind of thing. You leave that. You pray. Because God can still deliver, but they need to be delivered over there. <laughs> Amen? But it's in the choosing. Relationship is important. And so the message I have for us today is fight for this community. Don't stop. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how disillusioned you are. If you believe God is able, then believe God is able. I told my brother that 12 years ago as we stood outside and watched, well, over a 12-year period as we stood outside and watched his wife drive away. High school sweethearts loved each other. And like the day they met, she left. And God had me tell him, if you love your wife, love your wife. And it took 12 years. I don't know that I would have hung in there for 12 years. But the glory of God is revealed in that relationship that they got back together and they love each other. So for us, being for real, for reals, love each other and dare to hold this community that's us so we can hold the community that is wider. Amen? Amen. Amen. He fights for us.